Hello, everybody. I'm Phil Margavichis, and welcome to another episode of Funding MedTech brought to you by Project MedTech. Funding MedTech is an interview-style podcast focused on exploring ways to fund MedTech innovation. You will be hearing from all different kinds of funding vehicles and the how, why, and what they invest. If you need anything from us or would like to suggest a future guest, you can email us at info at projectmedtech.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. For more information on Project MedTech and to sign up for our monthly newsletter, visit our website at www.projectmedtech.com and follow us on LinkedIn. If you are enjoying this content, don't forget to check out our other podcasts by searching Project MedTech on your favorite podcast platform or by heading to our website. Project MedTech is an interview-style podcast on the medtech industry where guests share stories, advice, pitfalls, trends, and innovations, and is released weekly on Monday. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sleeman & Lund. Sleeman & Lund is the leading intellectual property boutique specializing in medical devices. They become a trusted partner for inventors, startups, and industry giants alike. Founded by seasoned attorneys with decades of experience, Sleeman & Lund combines experience with innovation. When it comes to protecting your groundbreaking medical device inventions, Sleeman & Lund stands at the forefront, offering expert legal counsel and strategic guidance that can make all the difference. Whether you're a passionate inventor with a game-changing idea or a company seeking to safeguard your innovations, Sleeman & Lund has the expertise and experience you need to navigate the complex world of medical device patents. In this episode, Jennifer Sheely at Accelerating Angels and Rich Mazzola discuss the details, fund size, type, investment thesis, and check size of their angel group. Today, I'm joined by Jennifer Sheely over at Accelerating Angels. Jennifer, thanks for joining me today. Uh, it is a pleasure. And uh, Happy New Year 2024. We're kicking things off with uh, Accelerating Angels. Yes, very excited about the future for uh, the fund and for ventures in general. Awesome. So so let's let's dive into your background a bit. So so Jennifer, we're, you know, we're born and raised and how you got into medical device venture capital. Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Washington State. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Energize. We're a boutique growth strategy and executive advisory firm working specifically with clients in healthcare, life science, and tech. And then also an advisory board an investment committee member with Accelerating Angels. So I began my career as a researcher in a variety of life science labs, first at Battelle and then at University of Washington Medical Center. From there, I worked into tech startups that made successful exits. Uh, Both were venture-backed and then spent 14 years at the American Heart Association, where I had the opportunity to engage with the entire spectrum of healthcare. So from payers, providers, uh, researchers to patients. So as a trained engineer, I am an innovation-minded uh, problem solver at heart, and in recent years wanted to pay some of my experience forward via mentoring early-stage ventures with a handful of institutions and accelerators, the most 
of those being ventures uh, in medtech or digital health. And that experience led to interactions in the angel investing space. I've served as a subject matter expert for pertinent screenings and on due diligence teams, and then led to my current relationship with Accelerating Angels. That's awesome. And so from from Accelerating Angels, this is a relatively new fund from what I understand, correct? Yes, that is correct. So a newer fund uh, just formed in about the last 18 months, um, you know, with a focus on uh, getting more capital into the hands of female founders. So um, if you look at current statistics, and this didn't change a whole lot as we uh, leave 2023 and head into 2024, only about 2% of venture capital makes it into the hands of female founders. And so with Accelerating Angels, we wanted to be very focused um, on finding those female founders with early stage ventures, looking at uh, high growth, um, who exhibit exemplary leadership um, and working towards exceptional outcomes. Well, this then kind of blends into the next question, which is kind of what's the investment thesis of the Accelerating Angels Fund? But it sounds like female-founded, female-led, early stage companies. is I guess, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, uh, very much so. And a couple of more details to add on to that. So looking at uh, early stage high growth ventures uh, where females have significant equity ownership. If I needed to break that down, I'd say it needs to be 30% plus, Um, you know, and then looking for those ventures where there is in general a tech component because we're looking at high growth, uh, high scale uh, products or services that can also make a 20 year impact. So looking at, you know, both the founding team uh, and making sure that there is a strong female component to that, but just as important uh, is the venture itself. And, you know, this from a from a off thesis perspective, I guess, is there any opportunities you'd look at that maybe don't fit that exact definition you just described? I guess is there areas in which are more attractive than others? Maybe it's female led but not tech enabled and, and there's a reason why you'd invest in something like that or at least take a look at it. Sure. Is there any off thesis kind of criteria you'd you'd more focus on than others? You know, so I I think that in general, from a thesis perspective, so the uh, the the will not budge point is the female led, female owned, um, right? Or there could also be the uh, you know female in, in in board leadership, but there needs to be that component. We wouldn't go off thesis there. Um, from a you know looking at tech companies, so primarily where we have been uh, moving forward with at this point in time tends to be more in the SaaS area, um, you know, looking at whether it's an enterprise software, there's some um, AI pieces as well. You know, it could be something that is more, I'll say, uh, traditional non-software tech. Um, that might be maybe not off thesis, but not necessarily where we uh, look into first. It's something that we'd consider, um, but that would probably be the uh, only adjacency at this time. Gotcha. Yeah, no, you know, for, for med tech, you know, companies that are listening in as well, I mean, tech enabled could also be, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jennifer, but you know, wearables with a software component, enterprise-related health IT software that's going into hospitals, um, those types of things, correct? Yep, absolutely. And I would say those are probably, those are covered by a thesis. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we don't we don't even have to search into in, into adjacencies, but you know, really looking at you know those uh, those ventures, female led, that are looking to make a, a tremendous impact, have really uh, done their work in looking at customer insight data. Where are their needs? Where are their gaps? Where can they create value? Where can they capture value? Um, and looking to help them accelerate their growth and scale. Now, from from the fund itself, what's the check size valuation range you guys like to play in? Yep, sure. So um, I'll start. We tend to look to invest in uh, between seed and Series A. Uh, so round would probably be somewhere five five hundred thousand to three million. Uh, average check size for us, I'll say it could be between the fifty thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand, but probably the sweet spot is closer to that hundred thousand to one hundred and fifty. Perfect. Now, um, you know, when we're talking about stage of development, because you say seed in Series A, and I, I remember interviewing one venture capitalist and he said we're seed-ish, <laughs> meaning yes. that they're kind of like right in, <laughs> right in between. And um, so, so with that in mind, you know, what's a when you when you're looking at or evaluating an opportunity, what would be too early and what would be the right time? To, one, well, I guess right time to be introduced, but more right time to deploy the capital itself. Right. I guess so, there's a two-part answer. Yeah, great question. So from an introduction standpoint, I highly encourage founders to introduce early and build a relationship because there are pieces where you're getting to know the founder, you're getting to know the company. You want to make sure from a founder perspective and an investor perspective that there's alignment. And so I don't think that there's uh, necessarily a, a, a too early time um, to at least have an explore exploratory um, relationship-based conversation uh, with Accelerating Angels. Uh, I'll jump forward then to, you know, at what stage do, uh, do we make investments? And I'll share broadly, and then I'll boil it down to um, what I'm seeing more in the med tech space. So broadly, they need to be at a place where they have figured out uh, their MVP, their minimum viable product. They need to have uh, worked on a commercialization track where they are at a space where they have recurring revenue and have that traction. Uh, for us, we like to see uh, $100,000 or more in ARR, annual recurring revenue. Um, but there at a minimum needs to be traction because we want to make sure that as we make an investment of capital, the venture is ready to grow and scale. And certainly a, a key component in what we've spoken about is the uh, the financial piece. Uh, the uh, and But then also we want to make sure that we're bringing to the table the value that can come with an angel group. So we uh, provide access to uh, 50 plus investors, advisory board members, subject matter asserts. We want to make sure that, again, they're at the right stage for growth and scale, and we want to help them be successful in that. Um, we're also looking at companies to uh, move further uh, into the future um, that are looking at an exit um, that would be uh, three to seven years in the future. So that would be, in general, the right space. I'll share that with MedTech. Uh, we 
we do uh, look at uh, companies that are not waiting on FDA approval. So um, FDA approval for us is table stakes. Um, they've already secured that and are uh, moving forward in their commercialization, their growth, uh, their value creation, delivery, and capture. And so I would carve out maybe a specific space for med tech that could be a bridge round where they have uh, received their FDA clearance. They've started building traction with revenue, uh, but need to gain some additional capital um, in addition to possibly connections to uh, other venture arms as they look at a, a next uh, large uh, equity raise, um, as they look to build relationships into those key customers, whether those could be uh, hospital systems, large employers, or other. Um, but that, I think, is a, is a sweet spot potentially for accelerating angels and med tech companies specifically. Yeah, and love it because that's that's that strategic money, right? You guys would be positioning yourselves and not only uh, just capital deployment, your extra value is that connection in the network, right? Yes. And access to the other folks, not just in advice, but also future funding. Yes. Now, um, Understanding the 150, understanding the range of seed to Series A, does the group have an appetite for follow-ons in later rounds, especially if there's strong traction? Yes. <laughs> so, um, you, <laughs> I you feel know, like I, that's an easy question. But, yeah. uh, let me very be very clear. Yes. So, um, you know, for us, so again, we are an earlier fund, so I would say that is. Um, you know, we haven't yet done that in deploying, um, you know, follow on checks, but that is definitely um, a focus and intention, you know, as we um, really invest, not just in a single check, but in the full success, the future um, of the ventures that we back, um, we want them to be successful. And yes, we would be ready as it makes sense with the follow on check. Perfect. Now, from a from a diligent side of things, right? It's very easy for us to say, okay, you want X, Y, and Z, check those boxes, we're a great fit. What's that diligence process outside of maybe those initial, you've checked the right boxes to have the, the conversation with Accelerating Angels? What other information are you looking to review? What does that diligence process look like from a time perspective, but also, um, you know, how deep do you go down the rabbit hole? Sure. So I'll maybe jump back before forward and even going into the application process. So uh, again, I do think that making contact earlier versus later is smart uh, for founders and ventures and building relationships. Uh, formal application for funding can be done on the Accelerating Angels website uh, under the Entrepreneurs tab. Um, from there, they will complete an application that's in DLM. Uh, and it goes into um, kind of our, our flow. From there, we'll take a look and make sure that the venture has met the minimum criteria, uh, which then opens them up to do a screening with the Accelerating Angels. And so we will have uh, three Accelerating Angels, either uh, investor members, advisory board members, uh, have a conversation with the founder, sometimes founding team, to get to know each other a little bit better. Uh, certainly will want to uh, learn more about uh, the market that they're looking to capture, their uh, venture itself, their business model, um, and and 
in part, we're looking for, do we think that there is great potential for this venture? We're also looking to see how can we add value, certainly from a financial perspective, but again, also uh, from an opening doors uh, from a um, other perspectives as well. Uh, once they, uh, through screening, um, if the venture moves forward, uh, they would pitch to our advisory board and member base. Um, we are generally booking those out in about a month to two months. So we've been doing uh, screenings uh, daily, uh, you know, and then we're looking at pitching um, at least monthly. Um, if pitches uh, get a, a successful nod uh, from the group, then we would go into due diligence. And so in due diligence, we do dive deep. Um, and I'll say that's for a couple of perspectives. One, again, we want to make sure uh, there is fit. We want to make sure that we're getting an accurate read on what we see as potential and how we can help both with a check um, and as well to opening doors, providing advisory and other. We also want to make sure that we'd have a great dynamic with the founding team and the founder. Um, so, you know, are is there coachability? Um, you know, are they constant learners? Some of those intangibles um, that we'd have through dialogue and due diligence that you might not be able to just read on paper. And so uh, we do dive deep, one, um, to make sure that everything is in alignment. We understand all of the pieces and parts. Um, and then two, especially you'll appreciate this and other, I think, startup founders, well, as a um, early stage venture fund ourselves, we want to make sure that there's a win-win on both sides. We need to do that both for the founder uh, as well as the fund as we look to, you know, Accelerate Angels looks to fund two and fund three and make sure that we're having those successes. Due diligence. Yeah. Do you have a question, Rich? <laughs> no, keep going. Feel free. Yeah, and then next piece, I think from a time perspective on due diligence, um, you know, right now is we're continuing to fine tune processes. I would say we're probably at about a 12 week standpoint on due diligence. Our goal is to bring that timeline down if we can, not because we're not going as deep, but just the more that we do due diligence, the more fine-tuned the processes, um, hopefully the faster we can be on turning around um, answers to the founders who are seeking capital. Perfect. And you stole my next question, which was the intangible side. So that's great. I'm glad you touched on that as well. Um, you know, one other area, obviously, Accelerating Angels, it sounds like this is a not a syndicate group, but a fund itself with ties to the Angel LPs as part of it. So it's there's an opportunity for sidecars and SPVs in this environment. Is that fair? We have discussed it. We haven't deployed it yet. So um, okay. So f fair to say that that is something that we um, have discussed. It's not something that um, that has happened to date. Got it. So it's still coming out of the fund, but there are. You know, not, not a no, but if there's something that's super strong of an opportunity for accelerating angels and the LPs have a, a dying interest, there's um, no, not a reason that you guys wouldn't potentially do that. Correct. Perfect. So moving on to more of the fundraising environment these days, obviously capital has been more tight than usual over the last decade. And I think a lot of venture capitalists would probably say the valuations are coming back down to earth. Um, you know, in med tech, the, the spikes and the valleys of that are, are not as drastic as maybe the techs, tech industry is. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so from a seed and series A perspective, depending on where you're at within the United States, you're probably looking at that eight to $20 million valuation range. Um, you know, from, from accelerating angels, as you're evaluating these new deals that are coming in, these new opportunities, is there a threshold where you guys would say, hey, I'm not interested in taking a look at this just based on valuation metrics? Not yet. So, okay. um, you know, we have been very open to looking at deals and, you know, certainly we look at valuation, but it's not one of our um, key make or break as we enter into um, having conversations with founders, certainly moving into screenings um, and even due diligence. So, um, you know, that's, we look at it, uh, we consider it, but it's really one piece of the holistic view um, that we are using as we, we seek with founders. And how has maybe the terms or the negotiations around how you're deploying capital changed? I mean, it, it, you guys will invest in equity price rounds, but will you invest in safes and convertibles as well? Yeah, so... Um, haven't had any safes come through yet. Yes, convertible notes. Um, and then, you know, looking at, you know, things moving forward and kind of looking at capital and looking at terms. You know, for us, I think one of the key piece, and I don't know if this is, it could be part of terms when you think about, you know, is it a board seat? Is it a board of observation role? But really thinking about, and this is um, something on our minds and probably a lot of uh, VC angel investment minds going to the future, is how do we make sure uh, there are having open lines of communication? So um, you can read many headlines, whether it's in the New York Times or uh, you know, Pitchbook or what have you, about the number of startups that did not survive 2023. And so on our minds, when we have relationships with our portfolio companies into the future, is how do we make sure there's strong communication so that you know, as potential um, hurdles come through, uh, challenges happen, we are aware of those sooner rather than later, um, not so that we can hold founder feet to the fire, but so that we can be helpful. You know, again, one of the values that we really try to drive and add to the ventures and to the founders is help and support and opening doors and brainstorming together and bringing expertise and bringing experience. And so how can we ensure through dialogue, we're having those conversations um, as we see things further out on the horizon versus we need to now um, urgently tackle this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, as we've been talking to more and more funds, one of the diligence items that was uh, I've heard more and more um, has been as they get into the data room, seeing uh, investor updates or, or seeing the board minutes, right? Something that's available, showing that there's communication between the parties that are advising these entrepreneurs, but also that they're actively communicating on milestones that they've set out to achieve. Right. So that's a very easy check the box to say, do you communicate? Right. And if that's information is readily available, that you can, yeah, I'll send you the last four quarters worth of investor updates. It's very clear that they're willing to listen and willing to learn and willing to communicate. And that could uh, move the needle for you as well. Yeah, we definitely want to look at those, uh, what's been done in the past, but also is that the right 
cadence is that the right level that makes sense in the current economic environment and looking towards the future? hundred percent. And obviously, you know, seed stage, you're in development mode and heads are down trying to just get things done. And when you get into that series A where there's growth capital, that's really where, okay, let's take our heads back up, say, okay, what's the market look like? How are we supposed to commercialize this product and get it into the hands of clinicians? And so you're absolutely right. Um, and so there's a balance to that communication. How much do you do? How little do you need to do? You know, and what, what's an appropriate amount? Yep. It needs to sure. be valuable. Yep. It needs to be valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a check the box for everybody to do on their list. Um, so, you know, obviously Accelerating Angels is focused on the exit. You said three to seven years. How does Accelerating Angels see themselves participating in those exit conversations or post-investment? Obviously, you're either taking observation rights or board seats or you're being involved as an advisor. But as that company approaches an exit and you're doing follow-on investments, and obviously I'm thinking more in the future since you're still only 18 months in, how do you see yourself positioning as part of the, whether you're at the negotiating table or just advising the entrepreneur through that process with investment bankers? Sure. So uh, again, this is very uh, forward looking. We're not at that stage yet. However, we really want to have strong relationships um, with the founders that we invest in and that are leading our portfolio companies. So we would see ourselves by the founder's side going into those exits and providing the support that the founder thinks is valuable. So, you know, is that in the more advisory capacity? Is that helping with negotiations? Is that, you know, taking a 10 p.m. phone call, uh, you know, when the founder wants to talk through some of the pieces that are on their mind? I think that's uh, going to be very subjective, uh, depending upon the founder and the exit, but we will want to be by their side and continuing to help uh, propel the success of the founder and the venture. Perfect. So so you, you've mentioned collaboration and, and providing connections to your portfolio company. So just can you elaborate a little bit on, you know, maybe, maybe it's connecting them to other venture capitalists or other angel funds. But I guess, how does that, obviously it depends on what the startup needs, of course, but where do you see maybe the most value from accelerating angels in that collaboration effort, um, whether it's additional capital, additional resources, or uh, additional support from a, maybe a team perspective or service provider perspective? I guess, what does that network look like? Yeah. So, you know, I would say we are very strong, and I think that's in part the intentionality that, um, you know, Sydney Englefield, who is one of the fund co-founders, as well as Mary McCarthy, has done a stellar job of putting together uh, both the advisory board and some of our uh, other relationships. And so I'll maybe detail a, a small handful, um, but we definitely have a deep subject matter expertise, industry expertise um, in healthcare, um, in medical device, in med tech, in diagnostics. We have individuals who have um, started and sold several companies. We have individuals who have worked in this space from Fortune 500 companies. We have individuals who are leapers in uh, cybersecurity, uh, go-to-market sales, commercialization, um, and so we really want to, uh, and, and so with that, there's subject matter expertise that can be shared. Uh, there are also networks uh, that each of those brings uh, from their uh, professional and personal lives. Um, but again, we want to open the right doors that help 
these ventures and these founders get to their next stages of growth, scale, impact, working towards successful exits. Perfect. So moving into the future a little bit more, you know, you're seeing a lot of opportunities come across your desk. Where do you see maybe the next stage of innovation? I know you mentioned AI as part of it, and that's that's something we've been hearing a lot about. But I guess, is there an area that just would trigger a lot of excitement with your investment committee yourself, the, the, the LPs, if this opportunity fit maybe this area of innovation? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I can't say that there are any specific areas that would provide, you know, next level excitement. I think that it's really, honestly, those companies who understand from a basic space, if you will, the need to lead by where is their need? Where are their gaps? And how do we fill those um, in a way that adds value? How are we doing smart uh, value creation? How are we doing very smart value delivery and value capture? And then from there, are they doing that by, you know, using a SaaS model? Are they using AI? Are they, um, you know, doing, you know, something completely different tech-based? But I think it's more addict's basis. You know, do they really understand not, gosh, we have this great new tool product idea. Um, We're going to build it up and then go out and see how we can apply it. But really understanding empathetically connecting with their customer base um, and making a tremendous impact in that space. That's what we're looking for. And, and maybe just to put it a different way, they're focused on the, pro- the process and providing a solution to the process in which things have been done, where there's maybe a, a thirst for innovation that maybe it hasn't had in a while. Is that a fair it, it is. I think also understanding. So, you know, for example, do they really understand how this is going to either, you know, I, again, add value and going to be um, how it's going to work in uptick? So, for example, you know, is it a technology that can improve a patient's life? However, when you actually have a conversation with that patient, um, it, it might, and it and it might add more value. Um, but but the way it's deployed, the patient is either fearful of it, creates greater anxiety, or just doesn't want to. <laughs> uh, so you know, so there's there's that aspect. There's also if you're looking to get something into, let's say, a hospital setting, have you really considered, you know, how the nurses might use this and other. So part of it is customer insights. Part of it is, um, you know, again, is there truly a need and a gap? Also understanding, and this goes back into, um, you know, maybe not what excites us, but just continued consideration. Um, you know, is there an economic model that supports that? And, you know, and might say, gosh, you know, seed to series A, we're, you know, still early to be um, really fine tuning with uh, providers and payers. Um, but when we have conversations with early stage ventures, they might, uh, we want to make sure that they're aware of the questions they might ask now and in the future. They might not have all the answers yet, but their thought processes, the way they're considering things show that they will be successful in that area because that's how they're thinking now. Great. What, 
uh, I just noticed we're coming up on the 30 minute mark. So I'm going to jump to my last two questions, but, you know, obviously for the female founders out there, that would be uh, a good interest to the accelerating angels group. What's a good piece of advice you'd offer to those uh, femtech or female founded uh, companies? Yeah, I think, you know, female founded companies and, um, I would say it would probably be the same as, as any founder of, of a venture. I think, um, you know, continuing to uh, focus on uh, creating value, capturing value, delivering value, um, looking to continue um, be a learner, um, seek out perspectives that help the organization grow, uh, help themselves grow. And I think don't be afraid and if not afraid, even cautious or hesitant to reach out to others who have experience, who could be potential mentors, who could help navigate the next. There is someone who either who has uh, been down this path or been down an adjacent path who could be of help in some way, um, reach out sooner rather than later and ask for that, make those connections um, and help accelerate uh, your venture and your own success. Beautiful. And uh, what's a good uh, business book or personal book you've read that you'd recommend to the crowd? Yeah. So I, you know, I really like, especially, um, early stage ventures, and this could be, um, you know, as, as we think about it in, in medtech or other, but even as an entrepreneur um, within a company, it's uh, from startup to grown up by Alyssa Cohn. And it's looking at um, one, when I think about uh, growth, uh, what does growth look like as I manage myself? What does growth look like as I manage my team? What does growth look like as I manage my company? Um, and so realizing that leadership uh, needs to grow at the same rate as the growth of your venture. And it has some really great questions, insights uh, to help bring leadership along. Um, you know, with that growth and sale adventure. That's, that's a great um, lesson too, because there's a, a concept out there of four boxes within a startup. It's the ideation box in the upper left corner, then the drive box in the bottom left corner, then you go over to scale and then you go up to exit, right? And each stage of that, you need different skill sets and strengths. And it, it's oftentimes I bring that up when uh, there's a transition in the management team during different phases of that. It's usually between the drive and the scale side. Mm -hmm. And it's really becoming, moving on from a startup to a company, right? And then you need different strengths, you need different attitudes. And it's, you're right, back to your point, it's that from startup to grown up, right? It's time to be a grown up, trying to be a, a big kid company. And how do you do that? And how do you scale with that? So love it, love it. Uh, so Jennifer, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, your profile, Accelerating Angels profile will be in the show notes and uh, hopefully folks will reach out to you. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Rich. Really appreciate the opportunity and always enjoy talking with you. Love it. Great. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks for listening. If you need anything from us, you can contact us at info at projectmedtech.com. And for more information on Project MedTech, visit our website at www.projectmedtech.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.